0: Welcome to Game Set Matchup, the podcast where we talk everything partnerships, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Welcome to Game Set Matchup, the podcast where we discuss all things partnerships. I'm your host, Greg Watts, and I'm joined today by our guest, Samir Karim, founder and CEO of international law firm DWS. Samir, hello and welcome. Hi, good morning, Greg. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Particularly with a hello like that, it definitely it, it, there's no need for caffeine.
1: Um, uh, absolutely. Well, I have, I've, I've had two already today, two two double espresso, so I'm um, I'm ready to go.
0: Well, our listeners are in for a treat. Well, it's perfect segue into an introduction. Perhaps you can we can start by giving our listeners an introduction to an, an overview to who you are, and I must ask because I know that they're very keen to hear what was it like acquiring a law firm just after the 2007 crash.
1: Well, that in itself, I think, is what's defined me. So just to give you uh, the backstory, uh, CEO and senior partner of DWS uh, Legal, as you mentioned, international law firm based uh, national and uh, international. The firm that I acquired just prior to the crash in 2008 was a completely different beast to what it is now. And I think that beast was bred from the recession. So it was uh, one of those things as an employee, one of the things I had itchy feet about was working for a law firm that didn't quite hit the mark in terms of what I thought a law firm should do. And that was a law firm that should be accessible to the masses and something which is a hybrid between being approachable to your Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but also being eloquent and efficient and diverse enough to be able to handle your international and corporate clients. Luckily for me, I came from a sort of corporate city background. So when I joined DWS in 2006, the opportunities I could see, but the opportunity changed when I had the opportunity to actually purchase the business in 2008. April 2008 was the acquisition date. And obviously, as we know, October 2008 was probably the biggest financial crash that we've ever seen. So the law firm changed, even though I had all these changes in mind, the law firm changed quicker than I expected it to. And that for me was actually the sort of the The best and worst part of that period, because I realized in myself that whatever ideas I had, they were all thrown out the window. What I had to do was to react to the financial crash. So, yeah, it was a challenge, a challenge that I can now sit back and speak to you and tell the story. But at that time, I think it was uh, either bury my head in the sand or swim and fight the sharks head on.
0: Well, it doesn't sound like you did much of the head burying. It sounds—it sounds, it sounds quite the opposite. I mean, what, what, can I ask? Can I ask a little bit more? You know, what was that experience like? I mean, you must have been daunted, excited, probably more—I suppose, dare I say—daunted. But how did you find that experience?
1: A mixture of vulnerability, excitement, a lot of naivety. But then, I think all of those elements that I had inside me, and I was feeling at the time, have probably refined and developed the person I am today. So. I mean, I was very vulnerable because I had, I had taken on a huge amount of debt. I was only 28 years old. I had, had huge hopes and aspirations to build something, but not expecting a financial crash to, to kind of tell me back. Yeah. But what I did do, and I, I just, I just looked within and I thought to myself, okay, let's not take our eye off the prize. What is it that we want to try and achieve here? And does the financial crash do anything apart from make it more make it more urgent for us to try and achieve that goal. And that was to offer a law firm which was changing the way that legal services was being provided. So just to elaborate, one of the things that I've always said to my team back then and even now is that what we provide as a legal service and our legal knowledge is not changeable. It's there, it's in statute, it's as we need to do it. However, the way we provide that service, we can be as creative, as ambitious, as entrepreneurial as we need to. So I did just that. So we changed all of our offices into into seven days a week. We were 24 hours. One of the things I wanted to really launch was this uh, whole notion of mobile legal services, which was like lawyers on wheels. So we were going out, seeing clients at their premises, at their place of work, at their homes, making it so accessible and so easy, but without charging the fee for it. So, you know, where you're down with the notion that lawyers charge on hourly rates, we got rid of hourly rates. We got rid of that whole stereotype that lawyers are there just to press the stopwatch and make the money. For us, it was about relationships. It was about tearing that wall down between client and lawyer, making it so accessible that if business was to be developed and was to be generated, DWS wants to be at the forefront in terms of recognition so that we were the brand that people were coming to.
0: Well. You've certainly done a remarkable job of that. I mean, you really have shaken up the face of law or, or the traditional model of of practicing law, I suppose. I mean, as a startup ourselves, we, you know, money is obviously cash is king. You've got to be very tight in terms of what you spend on very focused on what you spend on not not tight, that's the wrong word. Very focused on what you spend on making sure you're getting absolute value for money and and so for a startup to have access to to your services like ourselves is just invaluable.
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny you say that because that, for me, was actually the excitement. The excitement was mm-hmm. that as much as I was trying to deal with my own trials and tribulations in terms of the recession and the financial crash, the excitement of getting into a conversation with a startup, you know, really getting to know what is their, what is their, uh, their motivation, what is the mind of the entrepreneur, what are they thinking, what mm-hmm. are they breeding. I was probably learning more from them than they were learning from me because I was also in that same position but not known to them I was also dealing with a business that I had just taken over. So, and I think having those people around me at that time, and you know, you don't orchestrate that, that just happens by default. But I am a firm believer that if you are of that mindset, you attract those kind of people to you. And the startup businesses actually were kind of the the breath of fresh air at the time, because mm-hmm. we I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but we we launched um, products within law. So we we had like a a business startup pack, which would give you employment contracts, your terms and conditions, mm-hmm. and your, your full suite of documents so that you pick it off the shelf from DWS and you're on your way. You, you can run a business and you've got a concrete agreements behind you to make sure that your business is not going to be exposed. So we offered and we put that out there to the marketplace, allowing the market to realize that we weren't doing things on hourly rates. We wanted to make legal services so accessible and so tailored that it was a bit of a shake up to the market and it was something that i think helped us through that recession
0: i think a couple of the well a few words that you've used so far have been um a, bit, a really kind of touched touched a nerve with me in you know in a very positive way in terms of vulnerability relationships and accessibility and i think those three things combined together really do provide the foundations for a very 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 strong business and it really does resonate around as you say you, you know you, you or you alluded to effectively growing with your with your clients I know you obviously work with, with businesses of all sizes from startups through to global corporates but particularly with the startups it must be very satisfying to to grow with them to make access to your services accessible for them to help them to grow faster that must be very satisfying to see
1: yeah no I, I couldn't agree more I mean it's so strange when I reflect back now and, you know I've had the firm now since 2008 we're now 13 years on I've done a full circle so you know back in 2008 I think the the, the main attraction for me was, was to try and get people around me who were kind of feeling the same pain, maybe feeling the same opportunities. Unbeknown mm-hmm. to them, I was going through it in my own, you know, uh, behind closed doors because I had I had a business I'd just taken. i had a huge amount of debt. I had the banks knocking on my door asking me whether I'm going to be able to sustain this weather mm-hmm. uh, and whether the storm of this recession. But it was having those people with so much determination, which I think didn't make me think twice. And all I did was look forward because I had people around me who were doing the same. So, and then what I think then you know, the natural progression is you have those uh, types of clients around you, you then ordinarily, you're going to become a brand, you're going to be somebody that the bigger clients, the bigger businesses come in and they attract towards. But I've done a full circle now, because one of the things that I really love to get involved in and speak to people about is, again, new startups. And that is almost like... I did it to start my career in terms of business. It developed into now we've got a whole plethora of businesses, right? From your small startups to your, to your large PLCs. But now my excitement still rests with the small startups that I'm, I'm speaking to and engaged with. And you kind of, you magnetize yourself. You, yeah. you get drawn back to the thing that you love the most, which is the excitement of something new and, you know, opportunity. And that, for me, I think has been a story that I'm telling myself every day, that this is what I love.
0: Well, you are quite an inspiration, I must say that. But, but linked to, very much linked to that, what yeah. advice would you give to your younger self starting out? You know, perhaps the do's and the don'ts, if you like. It's, I think the the
1: younger self was exactly how I didn't expect myself to be, if I'm honest. So when I, I mean, just to give you sort of again a bit, a bit more of a backstory. In my teens, in my twenties, I was a bit of an introvert. I had uh, social anxiety. I had uh, an issue with my own self confidence. I had nothing to kind of. I would say, if I looked at my younger self now, I would not think that that person would end up running a law firm. And I'm just going to be open and honest with you. However, one of the things I did have was a background of entrepreneurial, I come from an entrepreneurial family, and without knowing, I think I my, in my DNA, I have something which was just dying and screaming to get out. So when I was working as a lawyer in the city, there was a complete, I was never satisfied with what I had, even though I became the fastest growing theater in in, in the firm that I was working for. I became a partner at 26. I developed a networking uh, circle of clients, but none of that, Greg, from honest with you, actually made me satisfied until I had the opportunity to buy a law firm. That was when I realized this is my moment. This is what I think I needed to do. And the person changed literally overnight. I mean, I speak to people who I knew back then and they say, Samir, we never have thought that you would have done what you did because you were a completely different person. So- Talking to myself back then, I think I would be talking to a different person, if I'm honest. But what would I change? I would only change this in that if there's an opportunity, I have this motto, perfection kills momentum. And I think one of the things that I had back then was this desire to perfect something before moving forward with it. But I soon realized that your competitors are not going to wait for you. And you can't wait for your mind to start getting overthink something. Just go for it. Go with gut. Go with instinct. And sometimes you can miss an opportunity because you're trying too long or you're trying too hard to perfect it and that's what I wanted t- I would have told myself a bit earlier on I I I did do that but I think I did it just slightly too late and maybe missed a few opportunities along the way
0: well I'm not sure about maybe missing opportunities but that I think that's brilliant advice because certainly at Finder we have this motto that if it's you know if it's if it's 70% right then that's more than good enough and then you you launch it and then you you tweak and adjust as you go because one of the things that, that certainly I've learned is that when you launch, a month later, things are going to change. Two months later, a year, they can often be unrecognisable. So that's brilliant advice.
1: Yeah. It definitely has been something which I've, I've, even now, I encourage. So the firm and the team that I have with me are a team that I try to nurture, to think outside the box, to run with ideas. And what I say to them is that don't be scared. What's the worst that's going to happen? The worst that's going to happen mm-hmm. is you having regret that you've not pursued an idea which could have been, you know, a game changer. And for me, it's about trying to nurture that. And I think the more you think about something, the more potentially you can persuade yourself not to. And this is why I've tried to deplore the opposite.
0: Well, linked to that, a very similar question, but maybe asked in a slightly different way. Um, Having been an entrepreneur for a number of years now, what are your top tips for people considering starting their own business? Your handbook of entrepreneurship, if you like. Okay. First and
1: foremost, build your network. I cannot stress enough that the network that you have around you is a footprint that you'll always be relying on through your tenure as an entrepreneur. I now realize the power of that network that I had built up right from the day that I'd qualified as a solicitor right till today. And it's something which if I didn't have that network, I cannot say hand on heart that I would have achieved or had the ability to achieve or the surrounding people to encourage you to achieve. What we've achieved today. So that's number one. So build a network. Number two is go with your gut. Sometimes there is, if you have a gut instinct, I am a firm believer that even if it leads you to the fire and you and you crash and burn, there is nothing but uh, resilience and thick skin and, and determination that can come from it. Let's face it, entrepreneurs make mistakes. That's what we're built to do. We're built to make mistakes and learn from them, but also to make more to make less mistakes than you do successes. And I think the gut instinct is something which I've always said is, is, is vitally important. And number three is find your niche. I'm going to be, again, very full and frank and honest. If you stand me toe-to-toe with one of the best lawyers out there in, the, in this country, I probably don't stand a chance. But you stand me toe-to-toe with an entrepreneurial lawyer or someone who is an entrepreneur who runs a law firm, they don't stand a chance. So it's knowing what your strengths are Working with those strengths, but having the team around you that can actually deal with the weaknesses that you might have, so that you've got the full-rounded team around you.
0: Oh, that really strikes a chord. Can you talk a little bit more about your experiences of surrounding yourself with people who can do the stuff that you can't do and do it better than you, and do do the stuff that you don't enjoy? Can you tell us a little bit more about how you how you created that type of a team?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think I've been very fortunate, Greg, in that the profession that I'm in has. I'm the exception, not the norm. So when I say that, I don't mean that in any obtuse or arrogant way. I mean that in terms of just generally how the profession is is mandated. So if you look at your general CEO of a law firm or a senior partner of a law firm, the ability to network and promote and execute and, and to market and develop is not generally what is their strength. The strength is actually being a great lawyer, being a great ambassador to the firm. I, for one, know that in terms of networking ability and the ability to generate clients and build a business, there's no one better than what I can do. However, you then realize that your weaknesses are that you need to have great lawyers around you, great technicians around you, great academics around you. there is a mutual respect because the academics and the lawyers and the technical guys who I have working with me can't do what I do, and yet I can't do what they do, and this is where I think the love of bond, you know, really cements itself when you find people who actually have such a mutual respect for you. It's almost like you can't live without each other and they become just as important to your team as you are important to them. And that's what I've been able to do. And I think it's a good thing that I haven't, I haven't had that, that mind conflict between the people that work with me and are integral to my business. We've never had a conflict because we never, we are great at what we do. We leave it. We leave each other to it. So we're, I'm very hands up because I know there's no point in me trying to put my hands into something which I know I'm not an expert in. But yet, likewise, they will leave me to build a business that's going to be completely different to the average law firm out there. And likewise, we both share the successes together. So that's how it's worked for me. And I think uh, sometimes your weaknesses can also be a strength.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. I think sometimes... There can be the little thing called ego, which can creep up. And I think some there's, there can be a tendency for, for some entrepreneurs, maybe some younger entrepreneurs, maybe, well, I, just, I suppose ages regardless, but a tendency for some entrepreneurs to think they should do everything themselves. But that's simply impossible. And I think that that often can lead to burnout.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when I interview people and I know that I have found a golden nugget and that golden nugget is somebody who can do what I can't do. I make it very apparent to them right from the get go. And I say to them, you have the ability to do something that I cannot do for this business, but that makes you somebody that can be such a huge asset that we will never break this bond because I won't be able to find a replacement to you. And yet you won't be able to find a law firm that can give you the satisfaction or the, or the, or the security that I can. And it's having that upfront conversation right at the beginning that you just, you make them realize. Where their feet lie in in the business, where is their position in the business? They know immediately that they have a place, mm-hmm. and that place is something which the boss is not going to ever, ever, you know, take advantage of because he needs it. Openness—that's what it comes down to. Open.
0: Well, you—I you, you, think you, put, you you put your finger and you've, you've you've created a remarkable business. It's not in many ways, it's not rocket science, I suppose, is it? To hire people that just are passionate, that have the right behaviours, that can do the things that you can't do, that complement you. Given the you know the autonomy to to get on with it, they're never micromanaged, and they're told you know well done, brilliant, you know you're you're absolutely fantastic. And as a result, um, they grow as individuals, the business grows, and it's win-win.
1: Win-win, yes.
0: I've got one last question to round us off, if I may. Yeah. What does the future hold for you in DWS? Dare I ask?
1: Obviously, given the last year and a half that we've had, this might sound against the grain, but I've actually really looked at. How resilient and how strong our business is. I mean, just going back to what we, where we started, I started at the cusp of a recession. So the last 18 months has done nothing but me taking out that rule book again and, and using it to its full glory. So it has been a very, we've had a very strong 18 months. It's been for us, uh, probably the strongest 18 months we've had for the last five years. Even though every year we've seen growth, the growth that we've seen in the last 18 months has been beyond that. In terms of going forward, I'm now looking at how we can try to attract potential targets so that I can build upon a brand and a business, which still yet hasn't been matched or been closely, ma- uh, competed with. And I say that in no means by in terms of the, the, the law or the actual industry that we're in, but it's the service that we're able to provide. And I think for me, you know, knowing that for 13 years, I've had this law firm which I've tried to make entrepreneurial, business-minded different. And yet in 13 years, no firm has been able to really take that mantle from us because we're still winning the awards, we're still getting the accolades. It now has confirmed to me, especially over the last 18 months, that we now are sitting on something quite special and what we need to do is build upon it. So the growth aspect of the business is, is there, but I'm also very, very keen, and this is from a personal perspective, is personal growth. And for me, personal growth comes with going back to the entrepreneurs, going back to the startups, going back to the people that gave me that real motivation in my dark days, and they were dark days, you know, it's giving back or being a part of that because that for me gets me out of bed more than
0: anything else. Samir, it really has been brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, particularly on this gray, um, rainy Friday. (laughs) Hopefully hopefully we brought some sunshine. Oh, you have. You've really, you've really lifted things. Well, look, Thank you so much. And perhaps you can join us over the coming months as well. So we can continue to be part of your journey. But thank you so much for joining us on Game Set Matchup. Absolutely. Greg, you take care. Thanks for joining this week's Game Set Matchup. Tune in to hear more about the need to knows and the do's and don'ts when it comes to creating successful business partnerships.